Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. Folks, it is important to know that you're going to spend eternity somewhere. And as a minister of the gospel, I want you to know that it's God's desire that you spend eternity with him. Well, let's look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. John writes, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. Jump down to verse 13 with me. He says, I have written these things that you, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And folks, I know that there are a lot of people that have said you can't know for sure, but John says, I'm writing some things here so that you can know for sure that you have eternal life. So what I've done is I've come up with five questions. I've, I've gone through these before. Usually there's seven, but just five this morning of, that we can ask ourselves to know for sure if we're saved, if heaven is to be our home. Number one, ask yourself this question. Do I have a spiritual birthday? Do I have a spiritual birthday? John writes it this way. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has been born of God. Do I have a spiritual birthday? In John chapter 1, listen to the, not the, the letter of John, but the gospel of John. In chapter 1 verse 12 As John writes about this reality, he says this. But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of flesh, but of the will or the will of man, but of God. Again, he speaks of the spiritual birth. In Romans chapter 10, the Bible says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That is a spiritual birthday, a confession that I make to receive Christ as Savior. Have I been born again? A lot of times I'll ask people, tell me about your relationship with the Lord. Tell me about your walk. Tell me your salvation experience. And then we'll begin with, I was baptized, and then my, my antenna perk up, and I listen. What are they going to say after that? And often people just tell me about their baptism. Or they might say, well, when I was such and such age, I joined this church. Or I can remember walking an aisle. Well, what the question that needs to be asked is, not have you done any of those things, have you been born again? Have you experienced a spiritual birth? In, in chapter 3 of John, Jesus is dealing with Nicodemus. And as Nicodemus comes to him at night, the first thing Jesus says to him is that you have to be born again. That's not a church word, that's a a Bible phrase. You must be born again. Do you have a spiritual birthday? A lot of folks in our churches today really could be uh, labeled as counterfeit believers. Not really knowing for sure and pretending. I read recently about some Apple stores that opened in China. We talked about Apple this morning. These Apple stores opened in China, I believe three of them. And they had the the Apple logo and all the Apple software and, I mean, hardware and everything, the Apple store. Everybody had their shirts on with their lanyards that looked like an Apple store. But out in the front, it said Apple Store. 
And if you know anything about Apple, they don't put Apple Store out on the front of their deal. They just put the Apple out there. And so this, this blogger started to investigate and found out these three stores were not Apple Stores. Somebody had gone out and bought all the material, all the, all the stuff to make it look like an Apple Store. And they started interviewing the people in the store. And they thought they were working for Apple. But they were working for somebody who counterfeited that whole thing. I don't know where they got their merchandise, black market or whatever. But the people in the store had been convinced that they were Apple employees. Because everything looks so good on the outside. Don't be convinced by the enemy that just because you show up at church, just because you're here, just because you go to to listen to gospel music, that that automatically makes you a follower of Christ. First question, have I been born again? Number two, second question, have I believed in and received the Son of God by faith? Have I believed in and received the Son of God by faith? Again, John chapter 1, verse 12. I always have to look it up because this translation is different than the one I memorized it. Memorized. But all who did receive him, he gave right to become children of God to those who believed in his name. So to those who received him and believed in his name. To believe is more than just intellectual knowledge. It's more than just to be able to answer all the questions about who Jesus is and what he did. It's to intellectually understand it, but to place your complete faith in that. That's what believing is. It's not enough to say that I know God will take me to heaven, but to personally put your trust in him to take you to heaven. Like the old story about the guy with the wheelbarrow going across the tightrope at Niagara Falls. And he asked the crowd, how many of you believe that I can cross this this tightrope pushing this wheelbarrow? And everybody says, oh yeah. He says, okay, who's the first person to get in? Some of you believe that Jesus is the way to heaven. You just haven't gotten in. You haven't completely placed your faith in him, totally trusting in him. John says in chapter 4 of 1 John that that we not only are to confess him, but we remain in him and he in us, receiving him. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God so that nobody can boast. It's by grace through faith that you receive him. Don't miss that. I read recently about some homeowners back when the, the housing market began to crash in, in uh, California. Somebody came in and the FDIC and, and came in and rescued and began to offer these, these house owners who couldn't make their mortgage payments to be able to refinance, lower interest rates, extend their mortgages another 40 years. And they put that offer out there and only half of the homeowners who were in desperate financial trouble responded to that appeal. And here's what the people who did all that surmised, that those folks who were not able to pay their mortgages were so tired of looking at mortgage bills and mortgage letters and stuff from financial institutions that when they got that good news from the FDIC, when they they offered this new thing, they didn't bother to open the mail. So half of those people who could have been rescued from losing their homes didn't even take advantage of it because they didn't bother to open the good news. Folks, don't miss the fact that Christ has died for us. He wants us to believe and to receive. I read also that in a five-year period recently, the amount of unused gift cards in America was $14 billion. I couldn't believe it. They said the average household has $300 worth of gift cards that haven't been redeemed yet. Those cards to Applebee's and Chili's and Subway and... Home Depot and all those places. Haven't even been redeemed yet. 
haven't been acted on. The Bible says that we not only have to believe in Christ, we need to receive him by an act of faith. How many folks come to church, go through the motions, and it's, it's not complete because you haven't made, taken advantage of the opportunity to receive him. I love C.S. Lewis's conversion story. While studying at Oxford, he wrote these words. This is his description of, of that birth, of being born again, of receiving and believing. He says, you must picture me alone in my room in Magdalen, which is a college in Oxford, night after night, feeling whenever my mind lifted even for a second from my work, the steady, unrelenting approach of him of whom I so earnestly desired not to meet. That's a sinner under conviction, isn't it? He says, that, that which I greatly feared had at last come upon me. In that term of 1929, May 22nd, he says, I gave in and admitted that God was God, and I knelt and I prayed. And perhaps that night, the most dejected and reluctant convert in all of England gave his life to Christ. That, that moment, Lewis says, I, I go to that moment where I gave up and said, God, you're God and I'm not. Folks, that's believing. That's receiving. Have I been born again? Do I have a spiritual birthday? Have I believed and received the Son of God by faith? And number three, do I have a sense of God's abiding presence in my life? Do I have a sense of God's abiding presence in my life? By the person of God's Holy Spirit. Listen again at John chapter 5. I'm, I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. The one who has the Son has life. The one who doesn't have the Son of God does not have life. You know how John says it? He says, if you have Christ in your life, you'll know it. You will possess him, and he will possess you. Did you hear that? You will receive him by faith and possess him, and he will have charge over you. He will possess you. There will be a sense of his abiding presence in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, your body is the sanctuary or the temple of God's Holy Spirit. He, he is to live within you. Let me tell you, one of the, the biggest confirmations in the life of a Christ follower should be the presence of God in your life. My daughter's in Ecuador right now starting an 11-month mission trip, and she has a small team that, that she's with. And one of the girls on that team was talking with Carissa, and they were sharing their testimonies. And Carissa said, Dad, I just, I just sensed that, that, that her testimony is, is not really what it needs to be. And she talked about this experience at a church, but she never really shared how Christ is living in her. And it seems that she, in essence, has gone through the motions. And I said, sweetie, you got 11 months to, to share with her what it really means to, to have the presence of Christ in your life. To know it. Sometimes I'll get on an elevator and I'll know somebody's been there. The doors open up and I step in and I smell perfume. And it's overwhelming, or I smell cologne, and it's overwhelming. And the person's not there, but I know they've been there because I can smell that perfume or that cologne. That somebody's been there. Folks, there needs to be a sense in your life that somebody's been there, that he's there, that when you interact, that when you go about your daily walk, that people can sense the presence of God in your life, but more important than that, that you can sense his presence in your life. The Bible says he comes to live within us, and it is his permanent dwelling place. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. He's there. 
Do you have this sense of God's abiding presence in your life? I love what Joe Stoll says about a a passage in Revelation 2.17 where Jesus says, I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it. And Stoll points out how that that's not just a little plaque with my name on it. But in the New Testament context in that culture, when you were invited to a special event, the host would take a, a small piece of marble, white marble, and they would engrave your name on it. And they would give it to you. And when it came time to go to that event, you presented that white stone with your name on it. And that was your entrance into that banquet. Folks, the presence of God's Spirit in your life is your name written on that white stone. That when you stand before God, you're there because of His presence in your life. You have a sense of that abiding presence. Paul says in Ephesians 1 that the Holy Spirit is God's deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The fourth question do I consistently obey God's word? Do I consistently obey God's word? Listening to, again to 1 John, now in chapter 3, verse 23. Now this is his command, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. Did you hear that? John says the person who is a Christ follower will keep the commands of Christ. Will not only be in relationship with him, but be obedient to him. Not perfect. Not measuring up to this standard of of complete perfection, but saying the, the, the characteristic of my life is consistency in obedience. Tell you what, this is a big one, folks. I've had people say, well, I think I was born again, and I I think I prayed that prayer, and I think I did that. But then I look at their life, and there's no obedience. And I've said to some people, I would be scared if I were you to be trusting in my testimony that Christ had come into my life to change me, yet my life hasn't changed. Yet the the traits and the characteristics of my lifestyle and my habits and my attitudes are more disobedience than obedience. Ask yourself that question is, is obedience consistent in my life? Ray Ortland shares this picture, and I've shared it before, but I'm going I'm to read you his description. He says, you and I are not integrated, unified, whole persons. Our hearts are multi-divided. It's like we have a boardroom in every heart. Imagine a big table, a leather chairs, leather chairs, coffee, bottled water, and a whiteboard. A committee sits around the table of your heart. There is the social self and the private self, the work self, the sexual self, the recreational self, the religious self, and others. The committee is arguing and debating and voting and constantly agitated and upset. Rarely can they come to unanimous, wholehearted decision. We tell ourselves we're this way because we're so busy and have so many responsibilities. But the truth is we're just divided unfocused, hesitant, unfree. So then he says that if we get, picture ourselves, our hearts as a, a committee, a boardroom with a committee, he says there's one way people think you accept Christ, and it's this way, to say, Jesus, come sit around the board table with me. And you invite Christ to sit in and, and join the board meeting and have a vote in your life. Folks, that's not biblical. Some of you think that's what following Christ is. That's not biblical. What Ray Ortland says we need to do is invite Jesus in to fire the board, to fire the committee, and he takes up ownership and residence and lordship in our life. 
I am an advocate of this, and I'm, I, there's lots of theological debate about this, but I believe there needs to be an understanding that when I trust Christ as Savior, I'm trusting Him as Lord. I'm giving Him my all. And that's to be evidenced in consistent obedience in my life. Ask yourself that question. Am I consistently obeying God's Word? And number five, am I constantly being changed by God? Am I constantly being changed by God? John writes in chapter 5, verse 18, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin. And we've said before that that means does not habitually sin. His lifestyle is characterized by obedience and not sin. Am I being changed and being conformed to the image of his son? Paul wrote in Romans 12 that, that we're not to be conformed to the world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we can present ourselves as, as fully acceptable sacrifices to him. Constantly, consistently being changed by the power of God. Let me tell you, I, over the years when you listen to people share their testimonies, they've got to go back 20 years to tell you what God did. They've got to go back 15 years. And I, and, and I want to say, that's good. I'm glad that you're saved. And I'm glad that you made a commitment at camp one night. I'm glad that you walked in the Isle of Revival for rededication. But what's God doing in your life right now? Lately, am I constantly being changed by the power of God? Am I different today than I was yesterday? Am I growing? Not am I filling my brain with more Bible knowledge. Am I filling my brain with Bible knowledge so that I might impact my heart so that I might be transformed to live it? That's what I'm asking. Constantly being changed by the power of God. Bill White shares a story of how he was working around Paramount, California with a group of churches. I love this concept. Several churches came together to do community work and and they wore yellow t-shirts just to identify them as these church volunteers. They were going through the community, cleaning up yards, cleaning up trash, helping refurbish homes and and he was walking through a group of about 50 volunteers had just gone down the street to begin working. As he was walking, I don't know if he's one of the leaders or not, he stopped to talk to a lady in her yard about what was going on, and he was sharing what they were doing. And, and as he was talking, her husband was over here on the other side of the yard listening in, I guess. He was weed eating, but he was listening in. He put down his weed here. He walked over to Bill, and, of course, he was a little bit anxious about what this husband was going to say to him. And, and I've got it right here. I want to read it to you. This is what the man said. He said to Bill, as one of the volunteers, he said, I love your heart. Where can I get a heart like yours? When's the last time somebody said that to you? I so see the transforming work of God's Holy Spirit in your life that I so want what you have. Not I want to be a church member like you are. Not I want to sing in the choir like you do. Not I want to be eloquent and teach like you do. But I want a heart like yours. That's a transformed heart, folks. Can you answer those five questions? Yes. Have you been, have you, have you celebrated a spiritual birthday? Have you believed and received in the, the Son of God by faith? Do you have an abiding sense of God's presence in your life? Are you consistently obeying Him? And is He constantly changing you? Jesus said there will be people in the last days who will 
who will say, Lord, did we not do these things in your name? And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Will he say that to you? Or will you be able to answer yes to all five of these and say, because I've trusted Christ, my life is different. A Mobile, Alabama news story carried a story about a sad situation during a snowstorm in Pittsburgh. A young lady named Sharon Edge was concerned about her boyfriend, Curtis. He was having severe abdominal pain, so she called 911 because she knew this is severe. He's got to get to the hospital, and no one came. And she called 911 again, and no one came. And she called 911 again, and no one came. And again, and again. And the tenth time she called 911, it was to say, never mind, he's dead. Here's the sad thing. 911 did respond and dispatch ambulance paramedics to the home, but because of the snow, they weren't able to drive to the home, and several times those ambulances were within about a football field length of the house, but they didn't get out and get in the snow to see that they could rescue the man. And I thought, what a, what a tragedy for them to be so close to saving this man's life, yet so far, and he lost it. Folks, it is a tragedy that some of you will get so close to receiving Christ as Savior. You'll hang out with Christians. You'll go to church with Christians. You'll sing with Christians. You'll even go through the motions like you are one, but you'll miss rescue. You'll miss rescue because you haven't committed your life to Christ. I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, the Bible's clear. You need to understand that you're a sinner that you've sinned and you can't, you can't pay the price for your own sin. You need to understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. And by faith, you need to receive him, trust in him completely. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Will you pray with me?